Hi, I'm Ian. I'm Chris. And welcome to season two, episode two of the Focal Point podcast. Uh, Chris, who's joining us this week? This week, we're joined by Ethan Smith. So Ethan, for those of you that haven't heard of him um, or don't follow him on Instagram, uh, is a health and wellness expert working out of uh, Dubai and the, uh, the KO8 gym, which looks at sort of functional fitness and making fitness and, and health and well-being more available to people. Uh, you might also know Ethan as one of the co-founders of the Liverpool Health and Wellbeing Movement. Um, this incredible uh, community-wide health initiative is all about getting um, fitness, food advice, um, and general tips on well-being more widely available in communities around Liverpool. We caught up with Ethan a few months back and asked him to bring along a focal point for a discussion. And here he is, Ethan Smith on the Focal Point Podcast. Tell me where you are today. Currently, I'm sitting in Dubai Hills inside Dubai, and it's 39 degrees outside. Roasting. Lovely. lovely. And, um, I wouldn't say lovely, like it's kind of a like walk out and your skin feels like, it's not even you feel like you're burning when you're in the Mediterranean. It feels like you're cooking from the inside. Did you get excited about when you look down from the plane when you come back from living in the desert about how green it is below you? Yeah, so I went home recently in June and I hadn't been home since October. So I've been here however many months. And I had to go to Spain first. So I went to Mallorca. And when I was landing in, I was, I was driving to where I was staying. I was just going, looking at all the just, just natural trees. So where I live is a park over the road, but it's so perfectly placed. Mm-hmm. It's nice to walk around, don't get me wrong, but it's so just, it's like you feel like you're in a video game. So then when I got home and it was pissing down and I was walking through the park and my flip-flops just going, oh, this is amazing, <laughs> just because it was natural. So stuff like that, you kind of do take for granted. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, great to be home. I'm just like smelling the grass and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah I remember I once being in Qatar. It was the first time I went to Qatar. We've been in Bahrain a lot, been down to Dubai. We've been, been up some other places on the ships. And like there was this roundabout in Qatar that had like a proper park on it. You know, like, I, I don't know if it's still there. It was near one of the big shopping centers. And I saw it and was like, wow, green stuff. It was amazing. Went and like sat on this roundabout drinking a coffee for like half hour. Because it was just like, you say it was just green. It was different. It felt so alien. It was obviously like being kept alive by pipes that have been built or something. There was nothing <laughs> natural about it. It yeah. felt amazing. It was such a change of scene. So, mate, um, Ethan, just just explain a bit about what you do. What's your what do you what do you do in Dubai? So, currently, out in Dubai, I'm working with a company called Ko8, um, and Ko8 have a gym out here. So, that's kind of their like their headquarters, and the business itself started in Liverpool, actually, where I'm from. So, there's a founder, and then his partner. His partner is one of my best mates, Sean, and then Kieran's the founder. And basically what KO8 is, is it's a piece of equipment, like a gym equipment. It's a functional resistance and suspension trainer. Comes in a bag, like a net bag about that big. And the idea is it's one of the most portable pieces of equipment that you can get. I used to have my my own studio back in Liverpool. And it was one of the first pieces of equipment that I got in there. I think I was one of the first gyms in in the UK to have like a, I I think I had nine or 10 of them. Um, so I've always been affiliated with them. I've always like worked alongside them. Just I believe in the brand a lot, um, and 
when it came to obviously COVID, COVID kicked my studio in the nuts. It was just made things so much harder, but it was only me. It was me doing 25 classes a week. It was me doing so many hours of PT a week. It was me doing the cleaning, doing the books, do, doing everything. So if I ever lost motivation, I'd like, and then when it was just tough with COVID, I had a chance to get out of it. And speaking to Sean, invited me over here to come and help them. So I'm the fitness manager. So I, my plan is to make the gym work in a way that it can kind of run on itself that we can then expand and take it to different locations, different places all over the world, hopefully. How, how have you found that? How have you found that shift, mate, from Liverpool, which is obviously, you know, a, a very culturally vibrant city? How have you found the shift from moving from one to, to Dubai? So to me, I've always wanted to leave the city, um, mainly because I always want to live somewhere where you can guarantee it nice weather. Yeah, okay. um, so I was like, right. I always thought it'd be Spain, and I still think it will be eventually. I make more when I've got kids and things like that. So coming here, it's just um, the biggest thing I realised was Liverpool is like a bubble that everyone is kind of doing the same thing, and if you're not doing what everyone else is doing, you kind of push to the side. So my style of training is all about educating people to learn how to move properly and in a way that. I used to say to people, people knew that started. What I want to teach you in a way that if I died tomorrow, you'd be able to continue your training. And it wouldn't be so much, oh, well, Ethan told me to do this. It'd be, Ethan taught me this, this, and this. And someone said to me once, why didn't you just say, if I moved away, not if you died? I went, well, it's a bit more dramatic, isn't it? So uh, that was my style of training. Anyway, so moving out here, I kind of, the best thing that I picked up straight away was working with a team. So the team here is great all different people from kind of different parts of the world but it's it's been a breath of fresh air in dubai because everyone's so forward thinking and so fast-paced that just opportunities just come up and people just want to drive forward and do something different or something new or be ahead of the next competitor and stuff like that so it's been enjoyable being part of that can I cycle back to something you said? I really interesting. You said that you really believe in the brand. I'm always interested in like why people like forge connections with brands and things. I'd love to know what is it about the brand that makes you so like you know invested in it and and, and has you believing in it. I, th I think to start, I know the two owned really well, so that makes mm -hmm. you kind of be a little bit biased towards it. Yeah, but then using the the product so much. Um, in terms of one, I've seen the product develop. So a couple of things that have been changed over it, which have made it better, but then my personal use with it. So if I ever go on holiday, even if I know there's a gym close by, I'll still take a KO8 just because I know you can get a quick workout in. You can, I can do a workout next to my fiance and we can both still get an amazing workout from it. I'm fully invested in it because I believe in the concept of making training easy, accessible, and mm. inexpensive. That easy accessibility makes it available to people as well, right? If it's not, if it's yeah. inexpensive and gives people access to ability to get fitter and get stronger, that, that sounds like it, that sounds important, you know. And I think it chimes quite a lot with what you're talking about. You want to tell people like how to do it, and then they can just do it rather than you know, telling them what to do over and over again. 
Yeah. That's it. It's, it's the education side to it as well. And yeah. that's another thing KO8 have is they, they have a, a course where you can learn to become KO8 certified. It's mainly for trainers. So then you can teach somebody else how to use it. But again, it's just about that education of the more you can know about it, the more you can teach about it. And the more you can teach, the more people you can help, essentially. What, what made you get into this line of work? With me, like it started with, I always wanted my own business. Um, mainly going back to school, seeing my dad constantly working. My mum stopped working when we were kids, because when we were born, because she said, right, I want to just bring the kids up. Because I've got, my brother's 15 months old and my sister's 18 months older than him. So we're close in age. At one point, my mum had three kids under the age of three. So oh. it didn't work. So it was constantly seeing like my dad going to work, having to do foreigners on the weekend as, as a joiner, carpenter. It was, he was working hard, basically, for somebody else. So I think as a kid, I was like, well, I just want to be able to live and work on my own terms. And then I went through a whole stage of doing so many different jobs, working for other people. And if I didn't like the job, instead of kind of approaching them to say, well, why don't we do this and this and this? I'd just go, see ya and leave. And it was kind of a, a shit bad way of doing it, but I'd find something else relatively quickly. They were never making me oh, super happy. I love this job. They were just bringing money and I was only a kid. When I was 22, I went to Camp America for two months, um, which I'd just finished university and got a degree in business and management. So with that, I was like, I'll get my own business. Still didn't have a clue what to do. And then when I was in America, um, I had the youngest bunk. So I had a bunk of boys aged five to seven. And it was challenging. It was two months of living with these shit some of them some of them were great some of them were just you know little american spoiled kids anyway there was this one point when i walked into the bathroom and there was these two kids and they were brushing the teeth in a way that you'd think they were trying to pull the teeth out and i was going whoa what are you like they were just like absolutely hashing away i said whoa what are you doing it's nobody ever taught you like do circles right spend a little bit of time on the backs do circles in the front, you know, the basic stuff that you just know. Do your tongue, rinse your mouth, see you later. Super simple to me, taught them in a simple way that hopefully they won't forget. Walked away, it was great. It was then the next day I was walking in and I just heard these two lads talking. So I stopped. They didn't know I was there, but they were teaching two other kids what I taught them. And my heart just like, it felt like it was going to explode. I just thought, oh my God, that, that's amazing. And then it was it kind of clicked then that I wanted to just be able to do something that I could teach somebody or anybody, something so simple that it'll make their life better, but simple enough that they can teach somebody else. I used to be quite, not negative, but I used to be short-tempered and things would piss me off quite easy. Mm -hmm. Mainly my brother, he'd wind me up very easy and he, he'd piss me off. Um, so if you listen, Jack, thanks for that. Because this one year, it got to Lent, and I'm not very religious, and definitely not now, but growing up, my mum was always, right, let's give something up for 40 days. And this one year, when was it? I can't, 2014, around that time, 2015 maybe, I decided to give up negativity. I said, right, I'm going to spend 40 days of, if anything negative comes into my mind, I've got to change and just switch it up. 
So every day I'd go onto Facebook, like it was like a thing at the time, there was no Instagram that kind of stuff. And I'd write a status of something positive that had happened, huh. which when I've, when I've done the research now, I'm, I'm being more mindful. It's a form of meditation, all that kind of thing that comes with it. Um, and it's also manifestation, which I strongly believe in now, but at the time I didn't know, I didn't have a clue what it was. During them 40 days, I went to look at a place and assigned the lease for my own studio. And I wasn't even looking for one. It just, it fell on my lap and it was like this unbelievable opportunity that I couldn't say no to. Again, didn't have a lot of money, but I had a lot of help from people that wanted to come and help me set it up. And when I say help, I mean like help me paint the walls and sort the, the equipment, all that kind of stuff. So it was four years of having my own place and it was, it was amazing. Absolutely loved it. Um, because it was mine and I could work on my own terms and do what I wanted to do. And the business that I then set up with my brother, who, because I'd give up negativity, we were, I was fine and I had deal with him. He didn't wind me up as much then. Um, so we started another business where we'd go into schools and it's mainly started because we got a niece and nephew. My sister's got two kids. At the time we're four and three and they're only 11 months apart. And They'd see us eating an avocado and they'd go, what's that? And they'd love it. I didn't know what an avocado was until I was about 19. And these are kids going, oh, I love it. So I was thinking, when I was a kid, no one ever told me about nutrition, nothing. No one ever taught me about the benefits of moving. No one ever taught me anything to do with mental health because it weren't an issue or it weren't a subject. You know, the coke and my mum was quite good in terms of we weren't allowed fizzy drinks or Coca-Cola or cocoa pops unless it was Christmas. <laughs> but that, that was like a proper rule in our house. Every Christmas morning, bowl of cocoa pops, fantastic. Um, but it made us appreciate that we didn't need them. We didn't always want it. Whereas a lot of kids just drink it all the time. So we then ended up writing a program where we went into schools and taught the kids on like a three-part series of movements, nutrition, and mental health. And it was so rewarding to see these kids learning just like, honestly, the pure basics. It was year six is what we started. So they're like 10, 11 years old. No, like nine or 10. And just teaching them the, the complete basics of what to eat, what's good, what's bad, sugar, how to move, why we should move. Um, and then obviously like the mental health side of it's nice to be nice, look out for others. All them kind of basic, simple things that we as adults do kind of take for granted and we don't, I mean, a lot of people do. Mental health is like a massive kind of buzzword, isn't it now? And it's, it's an important part of life now and people are coming to realize more about it, but kids didn't know a lot about it. So that was our program and we were, we were loving it. It was great going to all these different places, but then we, we kind of hit this stumbling block where we were in like some deprived areas in Liverpool, knowing that the kids, like the parents don't have a lot of money, all that kind of stuff. And one thing we'd make them do is like write a food diary. So as we're teaching them through the week, we'd expect them to come in the next day and say, oh, we had broccoli last night, or we've done this, or I've started having oats for breakfast instead of cereal and croissants and all that. And then it got to a point where some of them were coming in, oh, what did you have for, for dinner? Um, oh, we had uh, chicken nuggets and chips. Uh, I was like, okay. And did you tell your mum about what you learned? And she said, yeah, but we can't afford that. Well, we're not having that. So if you're having this tough shit kind of thing, and we were like, 
So we're teaching the kids, but the parents are either don't want to listen or they can't afford it. So we were saying, okay, what can we do to basically bring these together? How can we bring the parents in to educate them as well? Which then led to starting another business, which is called Liverpool Health and Wellbeing, which is this logo that I've got on my top. So Liverpool Health and Wellbeing, being from Liverpool, the idea was to bring the city together to hopefully make it a healthier and happier one. That was the ultimate goal, to bring the parents and the kids together to ultimately to create this new, this new era of people who can understand a better way of living. Um, it doesn't have to be super expensive and it, does, it can be accessible for everyone. So we had meetings with the council or things like that. And we said, we wanna do these events where we can bring them together. And the council basically said, it sounds great, but come back when you've got evidence. And they were like, well, we need your help to get that evidence. I know, but we're too busy. Okay. So then we said, let's just do it ourselves. We'll just go for it. So then we end up starting in a small university building um, and put this festival, health and wellbeing festival, all welcome. There's going to be one room for vendors, which is selling food, products, services, that kind of stuff. One room for activities, so yoga, exercise, um, kind of martial arts, kids workouts, things like that. And then another room for talks and meditation. So the idea is you come, you, you pay a small fee to get in and you can meet all these local independents, try different things and learn and get stuff from it. First one we done was in January um, of 2019. 150 people through the door. We were overwhelmed because the, the place could hold, I think it was 200. So it was a nice, busy, and they were all organic. They just came from where the mouth, it was amazing. Right, let's do another one. We've done another one in May. In an, another location, slightly bigger, then 250 people came through the door and it was better than every way the organization side of it and then we said right let's 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 do this properly so we reinvested into it we rebranded we called it eudaimonia and um, eudaimonia is a feeling of health and happiness from greek mythology and it went from 250 people in the may to the september we got over a thousand people through the door and me and our jack were just we were blown away by it, it was amazing and we were all over the shop. We didn't get a chance to kind of soak it in until near the end. So then we done it again in the following January of 2020. Same kind of number, but so much more organized. We were like, we've got this. We know what we're doing. This is just going to snowball. We're going to have two a year now, two big, massive events, hopefully one outside. And then March coming, they said, right, there's this thing called COVID. Don't have anything. And we were like, shit. And it just stopped everything. And then recently over the past, coming up to 12 months now, we, we've started creating an app. And this app is designed to be all about health and well-being for businesses that are local to you and then content to do with them businesses, whether it's do a workout, do some yoga, follow a recipe, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my whole journey. So Ethan, will you tell us what your focal point is for this conversation today? So my focal point is this, which is a sleep mask Ooh. that you put over your eyes and create the ultimate blackout. And I only recently got this when I was in Dubai. With one reason being, I haven't got blinds in the bedroom or curtains. 
And where I live, there's a building opposite. And Dubai just doesn't go dark unless you're in the actual desert. It's just yep. always lit up. So especially where I am, it's a little bit further out than like the marina in downtown, but the building opposite, there's a light around the building and there's lights that light up what the building's the building name. Is it like on the outside oh, of the building, like projecting yeah. light outwards as well as yeah. like the inside lights that are just on? Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's it's like it's still daytime. Yeah. So <laughs> when I first got here, I was thinking, I'm I'm struggling to sleep properly. So I was thinking, okay, well, what is it? Is it because I'm, I don't know, going to bed late? Is it because I'm eating before bed? Is it, I don't know. And then I actually done a bit of a meditation in the studio one day and a guy brought these. So I thought, I'm going to take one home. And I've seen the research and the talking about we should sleep in darkness. Like some people have literally blackout blinds or blackout curtains because your body needs to kind of shut down and be in that sensory mode of it's nighttime it's it's time to shut down even more so with not using the phone in bed and things like that so i felt it was affecting my performance which it does if you don't get enough rest and recovery and sleep and you don't let the body reset it's so difficult to get back into the flow of things to even be in the right frame of mind never even worry about thinking about a workout, but it just has a knock-on effect. So then by using this, this sleep mask, it's probably super cheap. I don't even know how much it was because I got given it. It made me just now, right, don't worry about that. Now all you've got to think about is just relax, fall asleep. Mm. And I tend to fall asleep a lot quicker. And most of the time I wake up and I haven't even got it on. So either it's slipped off or I've taken it off. But I've just woke up feeling so much better just by yeah. having that kind of initial shut-off button to say, right, you know it's bedtime now. So start to relax, wind down. Um, and the, the, the change in my performance in terms of out of bed, brush my teeth, cold shower helps as well. Um, sometimes I'll do like a, a, if I'm in the gym with a client downstairs, I'll do some cardio or whatever, but that initial getting out of bed is so much easier and actually more enjoyable now. I like it. I like, I like the phrase ultimate blackout that you use at the start. And that's really good. Because um, yeah. I, I was I even talking and think about it. Like we've, we, I say we, like the royal we in sort of like humanity has basically yeah. created the worst environment. Now we live in the worst environment imaginable for like how we're designed to function across yeah. like e evolutionary time, right? We've been in the dark for pretty much all of it. Like when it got dark, we had to stop doing things or we were going to get eaten um, or yeah, get lost and, and wander off. Yeah. And, and it's probably only in the last century, isn't it, that, that that's even begun to change, which is no time for like our, our functions to catch up. Um, Not at all. Yeah, it's, and it's amazing. I, I like that, the ultimate blackout. You know, this this shift in like performance thinking around the importance of sleep. And what Chris and I see this in the sports that we work in is that, you know, the evolution of sports science in the last 20 years has been significant. It's changed the game. It's changing the game in, in most sports, actually. But the crucial component that's been focused on at the moment is sleep, sleep hygiene, because there's a very clear recognition that that is the catalyst to performance. If you can recover and you can sleep, look what you can achieve. And it's that yeah. great image at the moment, isn't there, of Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney next to each other. 
and like Cristiano Ronaldo is older than Wayne Rooney and it looks it, it looks bizarre it looks alien to look at them and think that Cristiano Ronaldo is older than Wayne Rooney and then you look at the regime that he's operating and uh, the, the the focus on recovery it just shows you there's a you know there's obviously genetics involved in that as well but um, you know it's, it's working my question to you now then based on what your your focal point is can you sort of summarize how would you teach me to do that what would be the kind of like teaching angle that you would give me to to adopt that um the use of the number one is to get one um okay. that's the first but then this the second part is get into a routine so kind of like treat, treat it like a baby so you've got to reprogram your mind to know that when you see this sleep mask on the corner of your bed you know it's bedtime so then when you get in bed what i tend to do is when i get in bed i'll put it on top of my head like that so it's like already kind of the blinds are coming down i'll try and just sit there, sit there for like that with it on i'll try i'll be honest i'll try my hardest not to go on my phone in bed but it's, it's not always the case. Sometimes, especially because Sophie is back at home in Liverpool and sometimes don't get to speak to her until it's the night time and we do a Zoom call, which I like to see her face, so I'll hold it to my face, that kind of stuff. So at the moment, I'm still training myself to say, right, I know this is bedtime because I'm in bed and I've got this on the top of my head. Ideally, like when I go home, my phone just won't be close when I'm in bed. Um, just because I like to get in bed and be like, this is my routine to wind down and shut down and just, right, I know, okay, I've had food, give, it, give myself an hour. I've had my shower. Sometimes a shower before bed's great, especially a hot shower. So it's just getting into that routine of, I know that when I put this on, this is going to help me start winding down. I know when I get in bed, try and not use any sort of electricals that are going to, bring in that external light but then once they come on it's a case of well what do we do now i mean i know you do essentially pretend to be asleep which helps your body think you're asleep and that's how you fall asleep which is a funny concept but when you've got this black out look there's nothing else to think about apart from right let's just shut off let's go to sleep and to me it's been an easier way to fall asleep so it's just getting into that routine Finding what works for you, but knowing that as soon as you're getting there, it's time to wind down. And once you put it in, use it like a little blind, slowly creep it down, and then everything shuts off. Don't let anything else disturb you. Are there any other areas of our lives in general, you know, with, with a well-being focus that we need to ultimately black out on, in your opinion? One of the biggest things is social media. So social media can completely tear your life apart if you let it because it's so easy to compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 30 it's so easy to compare a super wealthy rich or even just an influencer to your hard work and lifestyle life it's 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 a tough place to be especially for kids because kids see it and they want everything that they see and it's it's unfair to the parents it's unfair to the kids because I know if I had a kid now, I'd not struggle, but compared to how I was brought up, it was nothing like that. So it's it's a challenge because 
you can't necessarily say to the kids, you're not allowed that, because then they want it more. And if all the friends have got it, then you're pulling them away from that kind of social circle. Yeah. So it's that's a whole like challenging point that I've got I've got no idea about how I'm gonna attack that yet. Wait till I become a dad and then I'll figure it out. But <laughs> in terms of blackouts, having that shut off, definitely social media, um, because it's it's an addiction. It fully is an addiction, and we've mm. proved that with the science. It's that's interesting. You said that word just dropped into my head, and other things that you know kind of inhibit blackout and and maybe impact performance. Things like caffeine. You say it's drinking a cup of coffee number four on the day. Um, it's addictive. Um, social media. It's completely addictive. Um, you know, lots of those stimuli that take us away from, I suppose, getting into routines that help keep us primed to perform well are very addictive so it's, it's quite tricky to manage away from it and sometimes those things that we're using to make us perform better are making us go the opposite way because we're overusing them or overindulging or we don't sometimes we don't even think that we're doing them so there's times when i've sat on my phone on instagram i'm just going what am i doing i'm looking at someone i met five years ago and i haven't spoken to them since get off it and sometimes that kind of realization to say, look where you are, look what you've got, look look what's around you. And that's why I like how practice gratitude and manifestation and all them kind of things, because it helps me be in the moment and not get lost in other people's moments. I really like that distinction you drew earlier, mate, between like comparing your chapter one with their chapter 30. Yeah. It's really resonated with me with that. And it's almost like, can we have a warning on Instagram of that? This is my, this is my chapter 30. All oh, right. <laughs> you haven't instantly yeah. just got all this stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah. I've worked really hard, but you don't see that. Do you? You, we don't get access to that information. I think that is something that I've just been struck with there. I don't, I've not heard that before. I feel like I've heard similar things, but I've not heard it articulated in, in such a way. It's, um, it's really struck, struck a chord with me. So Ethan, it's that time in the podcast where we're going to um, flip it round, and it's, it's your turn to ask um, myself and Chris a question. So what's your question for us? So if your younger self met you today, Younger, as in, like, let's say teenager. If your younger self, teenager, met you today, what's one thing that would make them happy about you? Give you a high five, well done, that's amazing. What's one thing that would make them sad? We've had some, we've had some deep questions on this, but like that's kind of like submarine level deep. Uh, we're going to there. Well, while, while you think of it, I'll answer the question. So my younger self, I think they'd be happy that I've kind of done what I've wanted to do and I've been able to help a lot of people. Um, I've been able to kind of give back and be that kind of educational person that people can lean to to help them out. And also that I've stayed with Sophie. And Sophie, like I met Sophie when I was 15 and we're childhood sweethearts. So I think that's the, the things that would really make them happy. I think one thing that would make them sad would be that sometimes I struggle to go for it and do what I think is best. I'll always, sometimes I look for other people's opinions too much. Sometimes I get caught up in what other people, other people think. But ultimately, when I do what I want to do, most of the time it works out to be the best option. So I think that's what they'd be happy and what they'd be sad about. Yeah, I've got, I've got I, I can answer it. Um, I think, and it's quite good to do it on the spot, actually, not overanalyze it and just go with almost like instinct. What would make them happy? I think what would make 
my younger self, my teenage self happy is that I, I took risks and I, I traveled, you know, I've seen, I always wanted to see parts of the world. I always wanted to, to travel and I've done that. And I think my yeah. younger self would be like, yeah, well done, mate. That was good. We wanted to do that when we were at school and we've done it. Well done. What would I be sad about? I'd probably be sad that I maybe didn't push myself as much, but I think that's quite, a, I think a lot of people when they reflect would go and did I push myself as hard as I could have done. I think that's quite a normal thing to be sad about. And we always had that lens. An actual thing they'd be sad about, I probably haven't spent enough time with my family. You know, the choice, the choices I've made, and I'm not talking about my immediate family, like wife and kids, but even they've been affected by it. The choices I've made in taking those risks have taken me away from my family. And I think they would feel sad about that. Because I certainly feel sad about that now that I've missed some of those moments, and that's, that's yeah, yeah. something that's sad. Okay, I like that, Chris. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, submarine deep, by the way, is an amazing. Great. <laughs> um, it's deeper than fossilized whale shit. Um, I so I think and I found this quite hard because I started thinking like, well, what was I like as a teenager, and tried to put myself back in teenage me's brain, and it was pretty addled at times and quite distracted. Um, I think, I think I, I think teenage me would be happy that I, yeah, I did sort of back myself to go and have some of the adventures I'd always sort of thought I would like, um, but maybe was was still a little bit reluctant to kind of take the step and do it, and that while doing it, and you know while going through lots of different environments, yeah, the military's part of it, but it's it's not the only part of it. So I've, I think I've managed to sort of stay quite. I almost don't want to use the phrase because it sounds terrible, but like I've stayed quite like what honest about like who I was in that. You know, I didn't feel the need to like caricature, you know, be the caricature of an officer in the military. I didn't feel the need to like completely change, you know, bits of my of how I think and, and express and things to kind of suit the environment. Um yeah, I'm quite I think he'd be quite pleased with that because I think he would have young me would probably have seen that as a bit of a risk. I think he'd be sad about the fact that. Like I've, you know, having come out the other side of some of that and having some new adventures and things now, he'd be sad that it still takes, still takes me a little while to get comfortable. I think he'd hope I'd be over that by now. That sort of itchy feet, like yeah, okay. There's there's other things I could be doing. You know, what's next? What's next? What's next? He's probably a bit sad that I haven't quite slowed that down yet. Yeah, Ethan, it, 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 absolute pleasure to to have you join us from Dubai uh, and to share your your insight and your and your story. There's some really, I think, important like sound bites and lessons so you, you talked about wanting to be a teacher and i think you've taught me a fair bit in the last hour or so we've been talking so mate thank you for joining us on your on what is your weekend we appreciate you giving us that time yeah no it's been amazing thank you very much for having me uh, thanks for coming on well mate i'll tell you what i'd like to get out to dubai i'm jealous i'm jealous of the weather that that ethan has got but there's something that is sticking out from that discussion really clearly to me and I think it's something I see people do time and time again and it is a, a great watch out really is that comparison of your chapter one to someone's chapter 30 nice I've definitely been guilty of that and you know, use a lot of energy <laughs> looking at someone's achievements and wondering if I'll ever get there and realizing that a lot of stuff has gone before that isn't clear. And I think that's a really good point that, that Ethan's raised that 
I want people to to take away. Mm-hmm. Everything should come with a disclaimer. This is yeah. <laughs> this is chapter three. This is chapter two. Yeah, like you know, when you've got to declare now when you're advertising something, like, there should be a declaration of how many iterations you've been through <laughs> to get like to that. that point. Like that a lot. Um, I think the the idea of like consistency with all this stuff kind of rang through a lot of what you said the idea of like binge recovery you know we mm. we're really good at working ourselves into oblivion right, right down to the bone and then taking the time to recover properly mm. you know, as opposed to just doing it all the time so it becomes sustainable I, I like that um a lot but the bit that really sticks out for me is things that seem really simple to you know to you or me or, or whoever still need to be taught at some point you still have to impart knowledge mm. um, someone still has to acquire the skill uh, and i think it's really easy to forget that mm. especially in the environments we look at you know if you're already in a in a team or in a group or a business that's performing pretty well or you're to quite a high standard you get new people coming into that organization the assumption is that their knowledge and skill levels are going to be as high as yours mm. or as high as those around you and I think challenging that assumption um, and actually making the assumption that people are going to need some help. Yeah, you know, they are going to need to be taught. They are going to need to learn. Um, it's probably a good, is a better assumption to start with, right? Because then you, yeah. you actually teach them properly. You create an environment where they can learn. You create an environment where they, they can put their hand up and say they don't know. Um, reminds me a bit of Kitty's episode in, yeah. in, in, in season one, actually. But yeah. I thought that was really good. Really good point. Yeah. Lots to think about. Lots to take away. Mm um so that's it that's episode two uh, episode three will be out in a, a couple of weeks time uh, you know please uh, listen back to the, the previous episodes in, in season one um, share if you if you if you can with with people that you think will find uh, the focal point interesting uh, and as always please leave comments or questions um, to us on anywhere where you see us sharing uh, the focal point and so yeah we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, episode three thanks for listening Cheers.